0: Or level twelve days now within eight days or so. So I apologize for that, and I'll apologize in advance to say I'm not going to stay. Unfortunately, after I'm not going to stay long after the meeting. I just have got to rush back. I've got to finish some things at work. Uh, some of you already know that I'm traveling tomorrow, and it just um, does make things easier. But by God's grace, we trust that He will give us. Help. We're continuing our studies in. Um, I just tried to move it back. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. If anybody knows me, you know that by the halfway through the meeting, I won't even need a mic. <laughs> Uh, so we're continuing our studies in the kings of Israel. Last time we just uh, did an overview and then we looked at King Saul. There is quite a lot of kings in Israel. There, there is uh, a list of 20 on the side of uh, Judah and then there is 19 on the side uh, of Israel. And then there is four kings on top of that, the first four ones uh, who were kings of the United Israel, so what we'll try to look at uh, today is the fourth king, the fourth king of Israel. I don't know if any of you have an idea who the fourth king is. He is the last king of United Israel, and before they 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 split. <laughs> Jimmy is counting his fingers. <laughs> it's Solomon. So we'll be looking at Solomon. Solomon is a very well-known um, figure in the Bible and even those people that are, that do not know about Solomon will know something about those who don't know Solomon by reading through the bible they will know something about Solomon because he has contributed quite a lot in scripture uh, that is very significant as i said he is the fourth king of israel remember that the first the first king of israel was a soul and then the second one was Ishbosheth, I know we often miss out Ishbosheth because he was there for a very brief period of time just before David came into the throne. After the death of Saul, Joab basically uh, put him into power. He was a vassal king, to be honest, uh, but uh, soon David took over. And then uh, David then gave birth to Solomon, and Solomon is that fourth king that we'll be looking at today. There's a lot that we can say about each of these kings. Really, it's a fascinating study that you can have on your own. We used to have um, a map of the kings of Israel here. That was an S. And do you know where it is now? It's in my bedroom. (laughs) That is where it is. Because I'm just fascinated uh, by the history of Israel. So we're going to read from First Kings. Um, really, to get a fuller picture, you have to jump around, really, uh, when you are dealing with uh, the kings of Israel. You've got to read uh, from kings, and you've got to jump again and read into chronicles. So there are dovetailing accounts of all these kings. But we don't have a lot of time to look at everything. So we're just going to read um, one particular passage in uh, First Kings about uh, Solomon. And it is in chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3. And the king, and this is King Solomon, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon an altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what. I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, thy father, great mercy, according according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and in the uprightness of his heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne. As it is this day, and now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made Thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this? thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself nor hast asked the life of thy enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment and kings said wisdom. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And as always, we trust that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. Now, to give a little bit of background as to who this Solomon is, I think we have to go all the way back to Second Samuel. And we see King David uh, looking at the top of the roof, and he is really supposed to be at war, but he's idling around instead of going to war. The rest of the army is at, is at war. Now, there were two types of wars. Uh, that Israel was uh, involved in. There were those wars that required, that were mandatory for them to conduct, and then there were those wars that were really expansionist kind of wars. So this was one of those wars that were not mandatory, and King David has stayed behind as Israel went into war. And as King, uh, King David uh, was on the rooftops, and then he sees this young woman uh, who is called uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba, some say Bethsheba, Bethsheba. And this man this woman is ma- is married to a man called Uriah who is a Uthite. This Uriah is actually a soldier and has actually gone out to war uh with a jet, uh, with the uh, the nation the nation of Israel's army, but David has stayed behind. And then when King David sees this woman, he takes her to wife illegally, as we say. And Because of that union, that illegal union, uh, the woman conceives a child. And now David, when he is told that the woman had conceived a child, he realizes that he is in trouble. And he realizes that he has done a great mistake. And in the midst of this, he tries to hide that heinous act. But the God that we serve sees everything. Now, there is never an instance that a man or a woman or a person can do anything that God cannot see. We can never fool ourselves. And sometimes we are even made victims in our everyday lives by people who victimize us secretly thinking that they can get away with it. And indeed, they do get away with it and maybe we become victims of those kind of conducts. But God knows these things, and he sees these things. So God sees this act of David, and God, being a holy God, he is going to address the issue. Now, he sends a prophet, Nathan, to talk to David, and he gives him a riddle, a parable, so to speak, to bring out this sinfulness that... um, is in David to bring out the error of what he has committed. And then when David realizes the error of his ways, he repents. And one thing that we should note about God is that God is a forgiving God. Now there are some people who may think that they have erred so far that they cannot be saved. Or sometimes even within us, Christians, the enemy, the allies of the enemy can whisper into our ears to make us believe that we have erred and gone too far and God cannot forgive us. That is not the case. So when David repents, God forgives him. But notice that sometimes we want the forgiveness of David but we don't want is repentance. Forgiveness comes with repentance. David fasted day and night. Now, you can't fake that. Now, I'm not saying every repentance has to be fasting, going without food, day and night, but David fasted day and night. That wasn't fake. That was the genuine outpouring of anguish within his soul. Psalms, Psalm 51 talks about that. And because he genuinely repented before God, God is a loving and forgiving God, and he forgave, he forgave him. But albeit the fruit of that illegal union, the child that was born, God said, I am not going to let this child live. There are consequences. Now, forgiveness does not mean no consequences. Now, if before I was, say if you were before you were saved, you liked to fight, and somebody punched, uh, punched your eye out, can you be saved? The answer is definitely, you can be saved. So a person who, who, who engaged himself in a fight and they got a physical scar can then hear the gospel, they open their heart to the Lord and realize that they are sinners, they repent before God and God will absolutely, totally, and completely forgive them of their sins. But are they going to get their eye back? The answer is no. Repentance towards God is being made to stand right, is being made right before God. Whilst we are still here, we will bear the consequences of the things that we do. So it was the case with this child. When this child was born, it didn't live long. The child did not live long and then died subsequently. And as a result of that, this mother, Bathsheba, was childless. Now, to rewind back how David came to take Bathsheba, was that David... After he had committed this act, he tried to get Uriah, the husband of the wife, killed in the war so that he would then hide this act. So that's how David then ended up taking the wife of Bathsheba because the husband was died. Because he did he conspired and died. And hence the visitation of the prophet. So after a while, after this repentance, David then and this woman conceived again and they bore a child, Solomon. Now, the interesting part is that scripture says God loved Solomon. If there was any doubt to the fact that God had forgiven David, that was the evidence. God loved Solomon. And his name, Solomon, means peaceable because he brought peace. To what had happened to David's life, so much so that Nathan told, he called him Judahiah which means the loved one of God. Basically, the darling of God. That's what it means because God loved him. So that's how uh, Solomon comes into the picture and is born into this family. Now, as soon as um, when he was, uh, he had grown and. Obviously, David had other sons. Actually, when you read in 1 chron- in, in chron- chronicles, chronicles, you find that actually David had other sons, and there's about four sons that are listed there in Chronicles who, who were older than Solomon. But Solomon was loved by God. Now, there are people that are loved by God. And who are those people? We are God's people. Now, I'm using the word people, but really, we are loved by God. We are the ones that God has. God has a care for everyone in the world, but we are the ones that are especially loved by God. And Solomon was such a person. So, and then later on, you fast forward uh, in Solomon's life, and God then his father, David, is now old. Now at this time, David has got children that are now old enough and mature enough to actually take over the throne. And then there is a sort of tug of war as to who is going to succeed, who is going to be the next king. David is not dead yet, but already there is a tug of war as to who is going to take over after David dies. And then one of his, uh, David's uh, David's son, um, uh, uh, Adonijah, who is the, Younger son of Absalom, if you read in Samuel, in Samuel you know about uh, Absalom that he tried to have an insurrection and actually ended up having David going into the wilderness for a little while, but in the end God judged him and he he had and, and he he died in in war and then david was was thrown back into into, into, into power. We will talk a little bit more about, about Adonijah later on, but what Adonijah died, he tried to do is he tried to take the throne upon himself and he took a number of influential people to lead them away so that he would be the king and they would get him anointed. So he had this party and he took some influential people. Now, if you are at a workplace, right, maybe like mine, there is quite a lot of competition in the workplace. And people, they like to form their own cocoons. They like to form their own clubs, right? And to organize themselves into those clubs to amass power. And they have a huge following. And you can actually see it, all these mechanics and these politics going on in a workplace. So such was the situation as well in, 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 in those times, in, in, in the kingdom of of, of Israel. And so Adonijah, he goes away, he throws a party, and he, br- he brings in those influential people. Uh, he takes in Abiatha, the, 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 the priest, and he takes in a Joab, who was the general of the army, and he brings a multitude and he throws a party, and they basically uh, acknowledge him as the successor uh, to the throne. But God had not chosen Adonijah, God had chosen Solomon. And because Solomon was God's chosen one, nothing was going to take take that away, no matter what Adonijah and his gang tried to do, but that which God had planned for Solomon was not going to go away. So seeing, though, um, uh, the danger in this uh, development, Solomon's mom realizes that If this plot succeeds, and indeed Adonijah becomes the king, their lives would be in danger. Because in those days, it was very common, you know, um, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, what did he do? He cleaned the house. He fired left, right, and center. Okay, so it it is it is almost a similar spectacle. It was a similar spectacle in those days. If a king came into power, everybody who was a threat, you got to get rid of them. So, um, so Pesheba realizes the danger that they were in, and then he decides, look, I have got to do something. And he talks to Nathan, to Nathan, and the the prophet, and they decide, like, let's go and talk to the king about this. Look, Adonijah is busy, is busy now anointing himself, and people are following him. If he becomes the king we are going to be in trouble because we'll be the ones that will be a threat to the throne. Now, what this tells me is that this Bathsheba was no ordinary stupid woman. Bathsheba was really, if you look look at her pedigree, she was quite a recognizable person because she was the daughter uh, of a man called Elam, and Elam was the son of Ahithophel. If you read the Bible, who was Ahithophel? He was the advisor to King David. So she was quite a very knowable, to put it in my terms, knowable person. And she understood these dynamics. Sometimes it is a good thing to have a wise partner, I'm using the word partner, which is now a very bad term, to have a, a, wise, a wise spouse. Because especially when it comes to the sisters, they have a certain way of seeing things that we can't see. We men are too rash to understand. But they have this wisdom about them. Maybe it's got to do with patience. We men just rush and bulldoze our ways. But Bathsheba recognizes the danger of this thing, and he came to the king, and he spoke to the king about this insurrection that Adonijah is now leading. And then King David said, decides, okay, I am going to make it a point, I'm going to make the world know, I'm going to make Israel understand that the person who is going to succeed me, the person that I am choosing from the throne, is not Adonijah, but is my son Solomon, and so he takes Solomon and he takes Nathaniel and he anoints uh, uh, Solomon and makes him uh, ride uh, 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 his horse and and is paraded uh, for whole, all Israel uh, to, to, to to see. And now, this is happening at the same time as Adonijah is having a party with his influential people and all this gathering that he has gathered around himself. And when they hear this, Joab, as soon as he hears this noise, because people are celebrating the king, the king is walking down the streets and he hears this noise. Him being a man of four, he wonders to himself, what is going on? Is there a war in Israel? And then Jonathan comes back, and he reports to him that, no, actually, it's not a war. Um, Solomon has been anointed king and he is walking down the streets. Now they realize that now if the king has made his peak and his peak is not Adonijah, his peak is Solomon, we are in trouble. Now, I don't know um, if you have heard the term the party is over. Literally the party was over and everybody uh, dispersed and went back to our houses in fear. So Solomon is anointed king, and then from then onwards, uh, the the king's uh, condition deteriorates, and finally, he dies. And Solomon becomes the reigning king. For a small period of time, it seems there were like two kings that were on the throne, so to speak. I can't help but wonder to myself, how many kings are on the throne at the moment? We have the Lord who is on his father's throne. So, for it, I couldn't help but see that picture that for that moment when Solomon was on the throne it was a time when King David was still king but he was sitting on the throne and was still sitting on his, on his father's throne. So after Uh, David uh, David then dies and Solomon is now the sole and reigning king. Now I'm going to touch on just three things and then we'll be finished about King Solomon. The first one, looking at his prayer here as he speaks to God. God comes to Solomon and says, what would you want? What would you have me do for you? I wonder, what would you say to God if God came to you and said, what do you want? A lot of things really would come to my mind at that particular moment. Now, of all the things, if, 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 if I brought my slides, which I brought last time, Solomon is one of those that were orange in color, yellow in color. He's one of those who are half-half. But at this time, Solomon, they reckon, the estimates are that he was about 16, 17 years thereabout. He's a young teenager when he is anointed king. And then by this time that David dies, he's really in his early 20s, they reckon, and God comes to him at the prime of their youth. If you ask someone, I've learned in this country, how old are you? The year is 21 years. Everybody wants to be 21 years because that is the period when people are at the prime of their strength and when they are at their best. You, can, uh, you feel like you can do anything. And God asks Solomon, what do you want? I can't help but notice the reply that Solomon gives to God. The first thing that really strikes me is the fact that if you notice the words that he uses here, he calls himself thy servant. Thou hast showed unto thy servant. And then he calls again, verse 8, and thy servant is in the midst of, and then he calls the people, thy people, which thou hast chosen. And then he goes on to say, that I may descend between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy great people? If ever you are in a place of position if ever you have been entrusted with any responsibility let us not forget that these things are not ours now i'm not one of those people who are i'm going to use a worldly term here who are liberal The dolphins and save that, and all that, and all that. I don't know how many beans you've got at home, right? But I recycle. I love recycling. And I love saving dolphins. And I love saving the environment. Do you know why I love saving the environment? I, I'll tell you it's not because of global warming. Not because I'm afraid of global warming. I'm not saving the environment because the, 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 the ice in the polar, whatever, are going to melt, and all of a sudden we're going to die. That's not the reason why I save the environment. That's not the reason why I'm engaged in these activities. As a Christian, I recognize that everything that I have, everything that I see, belongs to God. The wife that I have belongs to God. The job that I have belongs to God. The little I have in the bank account belongs to God. If we can understand it in our lives that we are agents, we are vessels, we own nothing here, and you yourself—you don't even belong to yourself. You belong to God. I think it's King Hezekiah. When King Hezekiah, after he, he recovered from from um, from his illness, and and then I think um, was it the king of Syria or something like that, he came to see him, and then he opened everything that he he had and showed this king. And then the prophet of God comes to him and says, what did you show him? Go and read that passage and count. Now, Hezekiah is one of those good kings in the Bible. But count the number of eyes that are in that passage. What I have done. I have this. I have this. I've shown him. I I have this. I have this. I have this. I have this. But this is not the heart of Solomon. Solomon recognized that even the people that God had made him king over were not his people with all the faults that Solomon has, but he recognized that much at that young age. And I I sort of envy him. When you hear scripture says, the speech pleased the Lord. What would you pay? What would you do to hear such a comment about you? I wouldn't care what my boss at work thinks about me if God says I am pleased with you. The Lord talks Um, in the New Testament, Bible scripture tells us that there is going to come a time when God's voice is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, those are not words that are given by grace. Those are not words that are given automatically. Those are words that are end. Now, there are things that we do not earn. Salvation, we, we do not earn our salvation. But the rewards, the compliments, I mean, we're all going to be complimented, but the specific compliments that we are going to receive individually, they are going to be based on what? we have done and God was pleased with Solomon and what did he ask for wisdom I remember when I got saved I was 19 so obviously the Lord still hasn't answered my prayer Because one of the things that I prayed for, I said, Lord, I wish I could understand scriptures. I wish you could give me understanding of scripture. Now, I had read about Solomon, but I hadn't like looked into the details of, of, of the things of Solomon. But I was fascinated by the gospels, the way the Lord dealt with, with different scenarios, the first test we actually see it straight away in verse um, seventeen to twenty to twenty seven. Solomon is brought a situation. Now, in the land of Israel, there were. Small rulers; they were rulers of different classes of people. So, if you had a case, you would bring it to the immediate ruler that is that you are under there. So, there were rulers of fifty people; there were rulers of hundred people; there were rulers of clans. There were rulers, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. So, the, only the most difficult cases would come to the king. So, in 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 in, in verses seventeen to twenty-seven, a case is. But as soon as Solomon asks for wisdom from God. And we see that straight away happening. And so, two women bring a case before David. And these women had two children. And one of the children, they wake up and they go to bed at night, two women with two children, happy days. They wake up in the morning, two women with two children, but one child is dead and the other one is alive. And then they woke up in the morning and the women start quarreling, who owns the dead child and whose child is it, the one that is alive? So there is a wrangling, wrangling, going on, going on. And this case goes all the way to the Supreme Court and it comes to David, uh, to Solomon. And when it's brought before Solomon, and this is what the women say, and this woman's child, this is one woman accusing the other, this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it and then the other woman, verse 22 says, and the other woman said, nah, that didn't happen, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. So there is an argument there. Now, if you can imagine this, this setup, Solomon is just a young king and he is new in the throne. And cases like this, cases that were brought to the king, how the king deals with cases like that, would vibrate throughout not just Israel, but the other lands, because it, 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 it was the image, it would describe what sort of a king that Israel has got. So everybody is watching very closely this case. And then when it's brought before, before Solomon, Solomon looks at these two women as they are squabbling about this child. Now, remember, there were no photographs in those days. There was no DNA. So you couldn't test whose parent was that owned this child. And then Solomon makes this intelligent test. He says, Bring this child. Bring a sword. Bring a soldier. You all claim that this love child is yours. I've got a brilliant idea. Why don't we sew them in half? Sew the child in half. Then you both go away with halves. By this act, the truth of the mother of the child comes out. So the woman that that wasn't the mother of this live child says, yes, that is fair, let's share the child So the child, asunder, and then we both have halves so that nobody will have a live child. And then the mother of the child says, if that is the case, I would rather I don't have the child. You can have the child. And by the wisdom of Solomon, a just judgment came out. Who does it? This seemed like an impossible case. There were no DNAs. How do you solve a case like this? What do you require to solve a case? What does this remind you of? Do you remember when a woman was caught in adultery? In the act of adultery, and they bring them before the Lord. Now, the law was very clear that if a woman is caught in adultery, they should be stoned to death. That was the law that was given by God but look at the way the Lord dealt with that case let him who is without sin cast the first stone now scripture tells us that they started going, walking away from the oldest to the youngest these people were not about the sin These people were not worried, they were not concerned about righteousness. What they were concerned about is just to have this woman stoned because of self righteousness. But the Lord brought out the truthfulness. Here's another case again. When the Lord was asked, Should we pay taxes? Should we pay taxes? This was in the presence of Roman authorities. In such a tricky situation, how do you deal with this? If he says let's not pay taxes, the Roman Roman authorities were the occupying force of that day. If he said don't pay taxes, then there'll be uproar and the authorities will descend upon the Lord. If he says let's pay taxes then they'll accuse him of being on the side of the occupier. It's a tricky situation. But how does the Lord deal with it? Wisdom. Now, wisdom and knowledge. Daniel says that in the last days wisdom will increase. No. Knowledge will increase. Because there is a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is what we acquire. There are a lot of clever people in this world. Rocket scientists, neurosurgeons, and so forth. That is knowledge. But there is a lot of stupid people with knowledge. The things that we hear nowadays—they are so unbelievably stupid. In the name of knowledge, I grew up in Zimbabwe, the northern part of Zimbabwe, with women that were running bare-breasted. They would have twigs going through their nose. I grew up running naked as a little boy. But you would go to a woman walking bare-breasted with a pig going through their nose and you ask them, what is a woman and what is a man? They would have, wouldn't know an A in alphabet. But they would tell you what a man or a woman is. But today we have PhD, I call them phenomenon dudes, they are great with phenomenons, who are giving us phenomenons that if birds could talk, they would laugh at us because of these stupid things that we hear. I was watching a talk, a documentary in, in, in I'll finish, a documentary in, 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 in National Geographic. They picked up a bone, right, Millions of years ago, and then they put it under microscope and what 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 they analyzed it, and from a bone, they told us what happened to this animal. It's one of those dinosaurs, whatever ceratops, whatever. Apparently, it had a fight with another dinosaur, and then whilst they were still fighting, because the fight. Was between a male and a female, and another male dinosaur. What is a dinosaur? What the era? Joined the fight, and then that's how this male dinosaur died. And they, they were showing it all graphic, all from a bone. Now I'm not clever. I am not somebody amazing. That is nonsense, respectfully. But this is what we should take as fact from people who are supposedly knowledgeable. So, knowledge and wisdom are different. Wisdom comes from God. And in James uh, chapter 1, God calls out, do you want wisdom? Does God want to give us wisdom? God doesn't want us to be stupid, folks. God doesn't want us to be stupid. God wants us to be sensible people. And says, if you want wisdom, come to me. And I will give you wisdom. And he doesn't give it stingily. He doesn't give you in measure. He gives wisdom liberally. He gave Solomon wisdom. Another act that, as I was reading this, that I saw about um, King Solomon, you'd remember, when King David was old, and then we'll finish this, I promise, when King David was old, and he was cold, right, so he couldn't get warm uh, in bed, so they found, they looked for him, um, a, a, a young woman, then they didn't have heaters, okay, they didn't have electric blankets, Okay. So they, they said, look, let's find somebody who's going to accompany him so that he keeps him warm. So they gave fun this um, a, a woman uh, called Abshak And uh, she's a Shunammite. By the way, do you know where else is a Shunammite, Shunamm, uh, Shunammite uh, prominent in scripture? Songs of Solomon. I've just wondered myself loudly whether Song of Solomon is actually someone writing about, but that's me speaking. I don't want to do that, but it's an interesting uh, concept. So so this woman then uh, keeps David uh, warm until David uh, dies. And then after he dies, David's um, uh, stepbrother, um, 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 what's his name again? Adon- 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 Adonijah, right, who is the brother of oh, Absalom. He comes to Solomon's mom, mother, Bethsheba, and he says to Bathsheba, can you go and talk to the king for me? We know that the king loves you. You are his mother, and he's never, he cannot say no to you. Go and talk to him and ask of me this one favor. that he would give me Abishal, David's woman who was keeping him warm. You may disagree with me. From the surface, it looks like, okay, he's, he's looking for a wife. But when I actually read what, how Solomon responded to his mother, and he said to him, You are asking, he is asking for my father's wife. What more is he gonna ask for next? The kingdom. At this time, right? Adonijah is irrelevant in society. He's been relegated. He tried to to, 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 to exert power, and he's relegated. If he was to take this woman, and he would be known as the husband of the former king's wife, what effect do you think that would have had in society? He was going to gain legitimacy. You remember Absalom when he exerbed power from David. One of the, what, what is one of the acts that he did to strengthen himself against his father? He went into his father's wives. Solomon understood that wisdom, he could see beyond what was being asked. And he put it to an end. And when he put that to an end, everybody that was involved in the scheme, they were terrified. Joab ran into the temple and grabbed the horns. So this wasn't just Solomon being vindictive these people knew and understood what they were doing. They wanted to cause Solomon trouble. I pray for our nation. I was coming here, I was re- listening to the news. We have sent cruise missiles to Ukraine. Right? I know I'm coming into the word of things, but when we are dealing with worldly issues like this, we pray that our leaders would have wisdom. The decisions that they make can have immense consequences to all of us. When we say, "Let us pray for our leaders," when Scripture urges us to pray for our for our leaders, I don't think it's just a tick box exercise. We need leaders that have wisdom. Nations have perished because of lack of wisdom. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. but Same idea. We need to pray for people. And we need to pray for wisdom ourselves. I fear for young people. You have huge decisions to make. Look at people at Noah. You have huge decisions to make. And the decision you are going to make is going to make or break you. Companies have dissolved because of leaders who do not have wisdom. And companies have thrived because of leaders who have wisdom. Even this speaker that is speaking to you, I am putting off some decisions in my life, to be honest with you, because I am praying for God's wisdom. Because I understand, and I hope we also do understand, that we do need God's wisdom. If there is anything that King Solomon is known for, it is wisdom. I didn't touch on his weaknesses because I just want you, I'm just i just waiting your appetite to be encouraged in these good aspects about King Solomon. There are things that we can emulate from him And we can learn a lot from him. And there are things that we do not have to emulate him. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank and bless you for all these things that we read about the kings of Israel. We thank you, Lord, for all these truths that we hear from your word speaking unto us. We know, Lord, that these things are relevant to us and to our lives. And that, Lord, we need to apply them. Lord, we confess Like in the words of Solomon, we do not know how to come in or to go out, and we depend upon you, O Lord.